Welcome to episode 194 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, as always, joined by Philip Slavin. How are you doing tonight? Uh, JP, I'm doing well. We're recording this on Tuesdays, as we now do, and you know what that means. Um, short Port Tuesday? <laughs> short Port Tuesday. That is, that's now the new thing, and um, this is quite good. And I'm, I'm quite happy having it. Because uh, honestly, who wants to podcast without booze? I don't, I'm not a professional, so why would I try and do this sober? Or at least clean, like fully sober, like at least some. I need to be able to put together a gotta be. coherent the, the podcast thought. beer is an essential part of this operation, <laughs> or just the, the alcohol of some kind just needs to be consumed. It, you know, it helps us get us going a little bit, but uh, yeah, it helps us have a little bit of fun too. And I'm sure you heard a little bit of that background noise there. Uh, we are joined tonight by former Cowboy football player, walk on, uh, that earned a scholarship for his senior year was a captain, I believe, uh, his senior season, uh, Philip Redwine Bryant. How are you doing tonight? Thanks for joining us. I'm great. Thanks for having me. So we're going to do our best to avoid the, the issue of two Phillips on the show. We're just going to change the name of this podcast. It's now uh, two Phillips and a Joel. That's the thing. <laughs> two Phils, a Joel, and a pizza place? No, that doesn't work. There's an outdated reference that either of you will get, but that's okay. Um yeah, this will be good. Um, so I'm very excited to have you on here, Philip. Um, thanks, Philip. That's great. Oh, no, of course, of course, okay, Philip. Yeah. <laughs> doctor, doctor, doctor. doctor. <laughs> okay, this is getting sidetracked. All right, so let's just let's just do the thing we don't want to do. Uh, we'll talk with Philip a little bit about his time at OSU. I'm very excited to do so. Um, but let's just let's just rip off the Band-Aid, and not really even the Band-Aid, let's just rip the flesh from the bone and get this done. Uh, we need to recap uh, that thing that occurred on a football field on Saturday. I believe it was called a football game. I'm, I'm not entirely sure. It wasn't pretty, uh, but we have to talk about it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, just starting off, man, I just – the offensive production side of things was clearly not there. Uh, defensively, it looked like they were the number one ranked defensive team in the nation. I mean, five turnovers in one game. Are you kidding me? You know? Um, but, yeah, just offensively, we couldn't get anything started. I mean, heck, there was two times that they were in the red zone. The defense got a turnover in the red zone and couldn't capitalize off of it. So, I mean, there, there's something wrong there, you know? Yeah, you had uh, – of the four turnovers that Oklahoma State's defense itself did not score on, uh, I believe they accumulated uh, one field goal and nine yards, no first downs in, in that, which is – That's tough. That's tough for a defense to continually just produce these turnovers and, and see nothing come out of it. It's, it's hard to be high in hopes, and it's tough to continue to produce that type of number. I just I don't know what you expect from a defense, you know, after all that. Well, and you throw in the injuries. Like, you, you came in the second half and didn't have Darius Williams and didn't have uh, Trey Sterling. And mm. I tweeted this out on Saturday. I was like, once Williams went out, and he's been banged up for a while. But And correct me if I'm wrong here, please, because I'm, I'm happy to sound like an idiot and be corrected. Um, <laughs> Jim Knoll, like the, Jim Knoll's ability to apply the kind of pressure he likes to apply is predicated on being able to leave the corners on their own and not have to play a lot of help defense with the safeties. He wants them to basically be the guys that just handle their job that allows him to be able to bring the pressure with the linebackers and the safeties and the things that he likes to do. And if the guys, once Radarius Williams went out, I said, without Williams, 
Knowles is not going to be able to play the defense the way he likes to that is most effective. And it's going to also limit what the defense can do. So I don't just think it was about the offense. You have a combination of the offense was awful and you lost these guys on defense that were so vital to his scheme that they had to basically go defensively conservative in the second half. And so you gave up more of the big plays that you, that we saw TCU was, was able to convert. Exactly. I think you hit it right on the spot. I, I it's just right whenever Rodarius went out and then Trey Sterling, a guy that can fit in the run support really well, a great open field tackler. Um, I think he has to play really conservative. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, not saying that the guys, you know, behind the starters or whatnot, I can't do their job. It's just I don't think they've had enough reps to be able to fill that role completely just like Trey Sterling or just like Rodarius Williams. I mean, I just don't think so. I mean, it, and it, it's so tough because the defense did everything that they could to keep them in the game. And, I mean, mm-hmm. when, you, when you force five turnovers in the game and you're plus – what, oh, was it you plus three or plus four in turnover margin? Plus four. Plus four. You expect to win that game 10 times out of 10. Um, yeah. You know, and you get a guy like Eamon Ogbongamiga who was playing out of his mind, 10, 12 tackles, three fours, fumbles. You know, I, I guarantee there had to have been some frustration on the sideline you know, when they're doing everything they can to keep themselves in the game and there's just nothing happening offensively. I mean, it, as a defensive player, you know, at some point it's just – you know, what are we supposed to do? They did, they did everything they yeah. could to keep them in the game and still end up being a one-possession game. Yeah, and that's the thing. They're sitting there, well, we scored, you know, a touchdown. What else do you want me to do? Score another one, score another one? I mean, just what? What else? And it's real <laughs> frustrating. You can get in their heads mentally. Um, and, yeah, I just – it's tough to see that. And it's tough to see your offense literally just struggle out there every drive. And it's just like, what are we doing out here? We're just playing so flat. So, I, I look, I wanted to see – right. So, you, the fumbles they recovered, mm. they got those – I want to make sure I get the yard. The yard is right. This is what's the most ridiculous and why I think Gundy's comment, and while accurate, uh, was ill-timed mm. of, you know, the defense gave up a few big plays. They did. His, 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 his statement was correct. It was giving up a few – they, they gave up some big plays in this game that obviously had an impact on the final score. However, in that spot with what the defense had done for you, forcing five turnovers, scoring six of your 22 points, right? Um, it was such an it, – it, that's, that's not the thing to say. And I understand there's no perfect thing to say after a loss. People are going to be mad no matter what. But, like, yeah. of all the things to highlight, that is not the thing to highlight. But they – I mean, TCU gave Oakland State the ball on TCU's side of the 50 – like every time, the TCU yep. 26, the TCU 23, the TCU 44, like you, you were in a spot and you knew that you had a backup kicker who wasn't effective. And I don't, I don't, I don't he wasn't like, I don't, I don't mean this bad. I'm another kid. Mm-hmm. You know, you, we not having Alex Hale has been a, a huge problem for the special teams because he was just money. Um, yeah. He was so good. Not having him put you in a bigger spot. And knowing that they still seem to to be super conservative on offense, and, and literally like the running joke on Twitter was so accurate, it was just like, okay, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, uh, run for two yards, run for three yards, third and five, incomplete pass. And that just seemed like if if everyone on Twitter is literally going to guess these before they're happening, how would you expect TCU? Can, oh, we're, but TCU, they're they're not smart enough. I mean, anyone could figure out what was happening. 
I, I, I don't, I'm not blaming the players for this. I am, I'm blaming the coaches the same way I blame the coaches and the preparation for OU. Um, the blame, right, same reason I blame, look, Spencer deserves the blame for Texas. Mm-hmm. But this, I understand injuries happen. That's fine. I get that. But your defense, while has been giving up more points, has been forcing more turnovers, has been scoring itself these last few games. Yes, the defense is giving up big plays, but it's just another game where I look at it and go, something is, something is wrong. And I don't know if it's a lack of trust on the part of the coaches. I, I think there might be, and we can talk about that. I don't know if it's just a lack of preparation. I don't know what it is, but no. the offense, we've all seen the, 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 the S&P Plus stats. This is the worst Oklahoma State offense since Gundy's first year in 2005. <laughs> I, I don't know how much to blame on the players and the injuries and how much to just be like, what are, what, are we doing in, what are we doing in the meetings beforehand? Like, you have yeah. been in there. You know this coaching staff. And I know that Casey Dunn wasn't the OC when you were there. Mm-hmm. However, you know these guys. Obviously, this is a coaching staff that prepares well. But like, what, what do you think is going on in, in, in preparation? What do you think is the mindset they're having in these games? Because like, I, I don't – we all think it's Gundy coaching scared, which I don't buy the scared part. I buy yeah. the conservative part. I don't buy the scared. And we can call it scared and you can say conservative scared. I don't, I don't care what people on social say from that standpoint. <laughs> but like what, from knowing these guys, what do you think is the mindset that they're having that is leading to the results that we're seeing? So I think what you said with everybody on Twitter saying it's like it's a run, run, pass, run, run, pass. Like it's getting so predictable to the point where these teams are, are out scheming us to the point where it's like, hey, we know what you're running. Go ahead, run it. We'll stop it. Whatever. Cool, cool, cool you know, game on. Um, I think what happens is we're so much in this, this deal that we're, we're putting this offense on straight Thailand, you know, it's just, we want to hit Thailand at all times. So if they know that, which teams will know that after, you know, you've seen his stats, you see every game, you see what he produces and what he brings to the field. you got to work your way around him and, and they start shutting him down. It's not really shutting him down. It's really just, they're making these windows really tight for Spencer to throw, which would be pretty much impossible for other, even NFL quarterbacks to throw into sometimes. Um, and he's just not open. Uh, so then he has to rely on all these other guys. Well, that's not the scheme. That's not the game plan. You go from one guy to another guy and then check down. I think that's what his progression is. And you're just like, okay, well, he's not there. Check down. Uh, he's not there. I'm going to take off. You know, I think since they put this whole deal with Thailand, that it's making Spencer, whenever he's not able to see Tylen open or whatever, let's go. Let's go. Let's, let's take out the pocket. Let's go do something else. I, I don't like it. And I think it's just becoming real conservative-ish, you know, um, and real just like predictable to the point where it's just like, okay, if that doesn't work, then nothing else works. Yeah. That's basically what it feels like. My thing that I, I've been thinking about over the last couple of days, it just feels like this team lacks offensive identity. At least yep. with, like with the Mike Yurcich offense that we saw from 2013 through 2018, you knew what you were getting. You knew you were getting a strong vertical passing game, so you know a pretty heavy RPO game, solid run game, but really you knew that Oklahoma State was going to throw the ball down the field. Mm-hmm. With Sean Gleason last year, you knew that it was going to be a little more run-based, but there was you know some tricks and some little things in there that they at least – I feel like they at least knew what they were and that they were going to go into a game and attack with that game plan it feels like week to week, we don't know what we're getting. And I'll chalk some of that up to, you know, Casey Dunn not having, he didn't have a spring to work with these guys. 
as an offense coordinator, so he was really having to learn on the fly. But you would think after nine games, there would at least be some form of identity of how he wants to call the game and how they want to run the offense with the guys that they have and put their team in positions to succeed. I just don't see that very much right now. I got you. And I, and I think also the reason why you don't see that right now is just because, again, you got some guys opting out. So it's not the same team that they had. So they have to work around different things. Um, and also, you know, Chuba's opting out, which I think is a, a great idea for him. I think he – or did he opt out? I don't know. I think he, he did. He's hurt and not playing. I don't think we see him the rest of the year, and I don't blame him, yeah, quite frankly. I, I don't blame him either. Um, and I feel as if – I know, like, it's going to sound horrible, but I feel like Tyler should do it too. I mean, he has nothing else to prove. He's the best wide receiver in college football. Um, I think it's just because he's playing for that, that award that he deserved way back. You know, that Blitnikoff, it sounds good. Um, but other than that, I mean, I think they're trying to figure out this new offense that they need to run with Dez because Dez is obviously a factor in the run game. He, he has to be. Um, and I think all the other wide receivers are starting to find out that, you know, Spence, when you start checking down other things, when you see other, other side of the fields type stuff. So I think what he's doing now is trying to do somewhat of a spring deal with these game films or game reps. You know what I'm saying? Okay. So I, I want to say with, with Casey Dunn, it's not just that he didn't have an offseason to get prepared. This is his first time as an OC. It's his first time calling games. Like, we have to treat this the same way. I don't know. You're like, okay, well, like, I think we have to treat this the same way with him as we would a true freshman quarterback. Like, yeah. there are going to be growing pains. He has yeah. had some good game plans. He's had some great execution, and he's had some really bad ones. And I think that right now what we're seeing is a very limited offensive offense. And I don't think it's just because of offensive line. Um, I, props to Charlie Dickey. Like, I can't say a bad thing about that man with, with everything they have gone through from the start of the offseason to now, the number of players eight. that they lost. Is it seven or eight? It's at least seven. It's I can't remember at least seven. Right. And I know they've had some guys kind of go in and out. But, I mean, mm-hmm. you lost three before the season started. Two in the opener. Now Tavid Jenkins is gone. I know Springfield's been in and out. Um, mm-hmm. I think you've had a couple other guys here. Like, you're down to redshirt freshmen and Josh. One senior, Josh Sills, and a bunch of redshirt freshmen and redshirt sophomores who just haven't had the reps. And he, yeah. they are still playing very, very well. I understand yeah. the run game didn't work against TCU. Perhaps the tape doesn't lie. They called this correctly. Offensive line played well. It's just that TCU loaded the box and didn't allow Oklahoma State to run and said, fine, you're going to beat us by throwing. And, and OSU didn't. They just they wouldn't do it. Yeah. Um, because I think OSU likes to run the ball even when it's not working because the thought process is they'll start to wear the defense of the opposing defense down because you see a lot of run plays work in the fourth quarter once the opposing defense starts to get tired. The problem was you can't do that if the defense has put so many guys in there, it's not going to wear them down because it's not about – wearing it's just about a numbers game and they're going to beat it you every hard. time and i think tcu knew that and i think tcu loaded the box in the second half because gary patterson while that tcu program is really dysfunctional right now and they've got major issues on the offensive side of the ball mm-hmm. gary patterson still knows how to coach Steve. it's kind of like gundy gundy knows offense better than any of us will ever know offense gary yep. patterson while things may not be great at tcu knows defense better than any of us will ever know defense and at the end of the day 
if you set Gundy, Gary Patterson up, like, okay, you just keep doing what you always do. I, I know how to defend that. We've got plenty of, mm-hmm. we've literally got games worth of tape here. We know what to do. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. And it's just like the clash. It's the clash between offense and defense. So, I mean, you know, defense wins championships, right? <laughs> and, and Gary Patterson is that dude. So, I mean, kudos to him to finishing that thing off. I mean, <laughs> that game was something else. Now, this being your first season outside the program, you played a little bit of wide receiver, linebacker, special teams, you did a little bit of everything. So you've seen both sides of the ball. How do you, how have you been able to take this and just watch games now? Like, how do you watch the game? Are you kind of passionate, you know, kind of crazy, watching, you know, pacing around the living room, or are you kind of just sitting back and just kind of analytical and just kind of watching because you, you kind of know what you're looking at on both sides of the ball? So I'm sitting there in the beginning. I'll watch and be analytical, just like, okay, like, I see why we did this. I see why we did that. Cool, cool, cool. You just Tony Romo it? You said what? You just Tony Romo it? You're like, they're going to call this. Yeah. And then it happens. Yeah. All right. Like, I'm like, okay, I see why they call that. Like, yeah, I see this coming. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. And then when it gets to crunch time, like when we played Texas, it came crunch time late, late in that, like, fourth quarter. I'm like, oh. So now I start pacing the room. Like, okay, wait, I don't even know why we need to call this. I don't know why we're doing this. Like, you know, it's going to work. It's got to work. It's got to work, right? It's got to, you know, I'm just being crazy now. I, I'm not thinking anymore. I'm just like, please, just get it done. Just get it done. Just do it. Come on. And now I get what, like, fans say, like, the Cardiac Cowboys sometimes. So I'm like, okay, I'm about to have a heart attack right here. Like, what, what are we doing? I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's unfortunate that you understand, but I'm also kind of glad that you understand. You're on the other <laughs> side. to the other side, friend. Welcome to the other <laughs> side. <laughs> It's tough, man. It is tough. But, like, when you're playing in it, it's just like, oh, yeah, like, I know what we're doing. We're going to win this. It's okay. Like, whatever. You don't think about it. And it's just like when you're watching, you have no control of it at all. You're like, oh, oh, no, 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 no. What are we doing? Yeah, I get it. I get it. (laughs) Uh, One other note on this game. And Spencer Sanders – didn't have as many design run plays as we normally see. It felt like. Like, he scrambled and did some runs, but it didn't feel like they utilized his run game as much as they have in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm curious from your perspective, this is mine. I think because he's been banged up twice this season, because he missed multiple <laughs> games, because he got knocked out of the sooner OU game, because he got hurt last year, I think they're a little bit scared of running Spencer and getting him hurt again. So I think they're not only being conservative from a play-calling standpoint, they're being conservative with Spencer so they keep him healthy. And my thing with Spencer is this. I think he is – I understand fans who don't like him. That's fine. Um, I I do think he is improving, and I I don't think it's all on him. I think you look at the game and you go, well, he didn't put up 300 yards and four touchdowns and blah, 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 blah. It's not just him. There's a lot of other things that go into it, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think if the coaching staff – is not going to utilize his run game, then Spencer Sanders' ceiling drops so significantly. Oh, yeah. I am very, very concerned for Spencer. Like, the, the thing that makes him so good, I do think he is a good thrower of the football, but I also think his threat as a runner is such a big part of when this offense is successful that by neutering that, and that's the effective word for it, is neutering yep. it, really just <laughs> – lowers him down to being a mediocre at best quarterback. And I don't mean that bad, but because that's, that's his game. And I don't, I don't, I don't mean that like he's a, it's his fault or anything like that. 
that's his game. Quarterbacks, it's like if you'd say Kyler, Kyler Murray, you can't run anymore. You're just a pass pocket passer now. Like, uh, nope, not. Well, that's like saying, nope. Mason, you're you're now a dual threat quarterback. You're running most of the time. You're not throwing anymore. Like, have you seen him run before? Have you seen that? <laughs> yeah. And I, I can say that because, you know, I love the kid. Love the guy. Great guy. But him running? Oh, oh no, sir. <laughs> no, sir. <laughs> Golly. But, yeah, like what you said is just like Spencer's game is solely on running. And, and, and he, he can throw the ball. He can chuck that thing down there. He's a great thrower. And I think he's really good throwing on the run as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's the reason why he needs to have that run game. And with him or with the coaches being conservative with him, like, hey, like we don't, we don't need you running because you might get hurt, this and that. He's probably one of the toughest MFers. I'm going to say that MFer. Is that okay? Uh, that Initials are not offensive here. Cool, cool. Because he's one of the toughest MFers I've ever seen. I mean, he'll get banged up by anybody and still get up quick, roll around. All right, what do we got next? You know, he's not like, ah, oh, like, I'm hurting now. Like, I can't really throw the ball anymore. Like, he's like, nah, like, I'm going to get the job done. I don't care. And, and it may be, again, like, uh, that fourth quarter, they had, like, what, 40 seconds to score, 45? And he's like, no, nah, I'm going to get it done. I'm going to do it. Like, it's whatever. That's what I'm used to. Like, dude, you are a different breed. Because some kids just be like, all right, yeah. Especially at his age, man, we should probably kneel the ball. Like, it's just, it's, it's game over. Just run the ball. Like, it's game over. You know? He's like, no, nah, we're going to win. We're just going to win. I already know it. I love that confidence from him. I think they should keep him running. I, I don't think they should be scared with him running the ball. I know he's gotten banged up. I know he's gotten injured before. But, I mean, that's just taking away his game. As simple as that. So I'm curious, you, uh, you started out as wide receiver and then moved to linebacker. Um, I really want to talk about Jim Knowles because Jim Knowles coaches both obviously the defense and your particular position group that you ended at. Um, uh-huh. We said when he got hired that this was a three-year thing. We're going to know by year three, this is year three, if Jim Knowles was going to work at Oklahoma State because it was with the change in scheme and what they were going to do, they had to have time to recruit to that, right? Yep. They had to get the players in. They were going to fit what he wants to do. I think by year three, we, could, we can say Jim Knowles is going to work at Oklahoma State. It's not perfect. Yep. Um, injuries are going to be an issue, but Jim Knowles works at Oklahoma State. I'm curious from you. you know, we've, watched some of, we've watched our time. He's a really smart – he seems like a really smart guy. Um, Very. Really, they, I, I forget the episode. It's been a few episodes ago where they really did a lot of focus on him. They were in his house, and, t- and he was just talking ball. And I was very much like I – could, I could just listen to this guy talk for like an hour. What, as both the DC who coached you and as your position coach, like what kind of what's your impression of, of Knowles? Like, tell us, is uh, like give us kind of like the back, the scoop here. I want I want to know as much about him as possible. So straight Philly guy, right? So I mean, <laughs> he's an interesting character. Let me tell you that first. First of all, um, y'all, very smart. Obviously, what he does. Um, his schemes are, are something that I haven't seen, obviously. Like, you know, I, I haven't seen much. I've seen Glenn Spencer. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've seen his schemes and whatnot. But Jim Knowles, he keeps it very simple but very aggressive. And I like that about him. And he's just a guy that um, <laughs> personality-wise will tell you how it is. He's not going to sugarcoat anything. Not a single thing. Say, like, look, you know, because there was one time, oh, I was uh, in an off-season. I'm sitting there, and I got, like, a little back pain. I'm like, 
ah, like, gosh, I can't really move that fast right now. He's like, look, either you're going to be my linebacker or you're not. Simple as that. He's like, I can, I can move you to a wide receiver again. You want to be a wide receiver? Good luck dropping 30 pounds. I was like, yeah. Yeah, I'll stick with y'all. I'll stick with y'all. I, I can run. I can run. I mean, just – he's an honest guy. I mean, that's what you want out of your coach. You want a guy that tells you how it is up front. Hey, this isn't for you. This isn't for you. Go ahead move on. We'll still move on with our program. That's the way he is. I love it. He's a cutthroat kind of guy. We would see uh, – or like when Glenn Spencer was the D.C., like when, when you guys would get a, you know, a huge stop on third down or a sack or – like Glenn Spencer would get fired up on the sidelines, and he was, mm-hmm. you know, running. He'd go, and, he'd go and chest bump somebody. Oh, yeah. Like – and. Glenn Spencer, or, uh, Jim Knowles sits in the booth, doesn't he? I don't know if he sits. Yeah. Okay. But, like, what kind of – when like, you're watching film, like, what kind of reactions do you get from him, like, when you make that kind of that big play or, you know, like in the <laughs> headset or anything? Like, I'm curious, just kind of the, the difference between the two maybe. So I'm going to tell you right now, like, in practice when he's on the field, he's able to be on the field and whatnot on the sidelines, watch us make plays. It could be something as small as um, – we covered a guy perfectly. The ball was maybe overthrown, but we were right there on top of him. Hell yeah, just jumping up, just, you know, getting after it. He gets inside, let's go. And I know in the booth, he's kind of doing the same thing, but he has to be quiet so, you know, he doesn't, like, interrupt anybody else. He's just like, okay, yep, yep, mm-hmm, yep, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> but uh, I'm telling you, man, like, in the meeting rooms, he's, like, real calm at first. He walks in, like, all cool. Yep, guys, we uh we did really good today. We did da da da, you know, really good. And then next, you know, it just flips. Like the the, the flip just or the switch just flips, and it's just like, how about that? Everybody gets crazy. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, here we go. There it is. There it is. <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of coach you want, especially for defense. It's the guy you want. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, so obviously, linebacker, you uh, you play the same position group as. Uh, a really deep collection of, of super talented guys, you know, Malcolm Rodriguez, Eamon Agbonpamiga, Calvin Bundage. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know that I have a question here. Let me just, let me just fanboy for a second. Um, what's Please. it like, like hanging out with those guys? Like, what is that? <laughs> they seem so cool and they're awesome. And uh, I mean, what's that like? Just, you know, sitting next to, cause I had a locker, you know, near those guys, you know? So just sitting next to that type of talent is just unreal. Um, and watching them practice, I mean, they have a, they have a just a business type of uh, practice mentality. It's like they're here to get this thing done and, and get it done right and then just move out. You know what I'm saying? It's just like it, I want to say it's like almost perfectionist kind of thing. That's like the big thing with Eamon is perfectionist. He has to make sure everything's filled in right. He'll ask questions whenever something just happened. He doesn't understand. Like he's the brains of this whole football team. Malcolm is just purely – I don't know if he's just super smart or just instincts kick in and, like, the wrestler, like, okay, I see the guy, I'm going to get him. You know? Like, it's just, I'm just going to take him out, whatever, cool. Because he knows where to be at all times. And I swear, talking to him sometimes, I'm just like, are you sure you know the defense? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. And, I mean, just every time he'll be at the right spot. I'm like, okay, like, maybe it's just either instincts or he just knows this thing completely. I just don't know. Like, I'm full. Um. But nothing of that, like, messed up. He is a smart kid. He really is. Um, and then Calvin Bundage, he's talking about Cuckoo Cow over there. That man runs with his head on fire <laughs> and will go through anything. If you told him to, run, like, run through stone, he'd probably do it in a heartbeat. I mean, like, he just does not care for his body. 
and I love it. I, I, I purely love it because he's just like uh, his favorite thing is uh, his favorite movie is 300. He's like, I, just, I picture myself as a Spartan warrior. That's me. Why does that not surprise me? At least as soon as you right? say it. Right? <laughs> it's so funny watching all three of those guys on the field at once because their personalities are all like the reaction after a play is really different. Like Malcolm just, it's a double leg takedown every single time. Like he's getting oh, his yeah. two points. Like, I mean, again, they say it on the broadcast. I mean, you hear it on the broadcast and, you know, from watching, yeah. we've heard it for four years, three time state wrestling champ, you know, all that every time. And he just kind of gets up and just goes back. And then you get Calvin Bundage, he'll get a sack, and he does the millionaire strut after he gets up, and he's walking around like, yeah, let's go. Yeah. And then you get Amen, who's just like kind of that perfect in-between where he gets that big tackle for loss. He's coming up fired up, but he'll lay someone out and just stand over him like, yeah. That's normal. Yep. Yeah. Well, I've and, too many times. Well, he also talked about Devin Harper, too. Like, that man has no regard for human life when he gets someone oh on special goodness. teams. <laughs> I mean, I, when you talk about Devin Harper, I think, honestly, Devin Harper might be – the most athletically gifted person I've seen on the field, size wise. You can, def- I definitely see that for sure. Oh my goodness, he he can flat out move like he can run. I mean, if anything, if let me put it this way, if Amen were to go down, God forbid, I'm gonna knock on this wood right now. Yeah, don't Amen were ever things. go down. Don't do that. My bad, Devin Harper. Like it would not, the defense would not skip a beat because Devin Harper is that dude. I mean, he's that good. Okay, what, what was the interaction like between him and Thomas? Oh. I mean, I'm curious. Like, I, I'm sure that they were talking a little shit back and forth on the field. Like, they had to have. They were brothers, and they were both playing the oh, defense. Man. Well, this thing, though, they're pretty quiet when it comes to stuff like that. Uh, it's hard to believe because you see them on game days, and they're all getting crazy and whatnot. But during practice, they're pretty quiet. They keep themselves, and they make big plays and this and that. It's just like, oh, okay, like, that's normal. Whatever. Like, just like how you said with Eamon, like, Oh, yeah, that's normal. Okay, I just laid this guy out. It's, it's another thing. Cool. That's literally how Devin and Thomas are. It's like, okay, I, I expected that. Cool, whatever. But then whenever you see a mess up, oh, yeah, they're talking They're talking mess all the time. Just like, oh, like, why did you miss that tackle? Man, you know, like, you know, I, you didn't feel the gap right, and then this happened, and that ha- You know, you know. He's like, nah, bro. Nah, nah, that's not how I went. That's not how – Just that's all you hear all the time. Whenever you hear somebody make a mistake, mm-hmm. Should have been me. I would have made that tackle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's it's awesome. funny to see them interact man that's awesome uh okay so let me ask of the guys still on the team right now on the defensive side of the ball who is like is there a a like prankster jokester the one guy you're just like don't go near him he's gonna do something <sighs> if i had to get if i had to take a guess it's got to be trey yeah trey trey's like I could see it. He wouldn't play a prank on anybody, really. But he's the guy that's like, he'll include anybody and everybody and doesn't care. Like, he'll make sure everybody's in on something. And it's like, oh, yeah, check this out, check this out. But I think in prankster-wise, I think Colby Harvey Peel. I could see that one, too. I could, I could see that a little bit. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. wasn't, wasn't it Trey that started the Canadian flag thing to, like, mess with yeah. Tuba? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sure did. That's what I'm saying. Like he's just like a trendsetter type of guy. He'll include everybody in it. He doesn't got care. All of the OSU fan base, like conspiracy theory, mapping out Charlie from <laughs> Always Sunny meme situation, going like, "What does it mean? What does it mean?" Yep. That I'm telling you, that's him. That's him. <laughs> yep. Sticking on the like I got a question about one more guy. Uh, Trace Four. 
you know, last season when he comes in as a freshman, like could everyone kind of see immediately like, oh, this is a dude. Like this is someone that's going to make an impact right away. And no then doubt. you see that progression this year. No doubt. I mean, you just look at his size alone and you see how fast he moves. Again, I may have said Devin Harper. I might keep that, but second most athletic person I see on the field, probably Trace Ford. Probably Trace Ford, at least on the defensive side. I can't speak for the offense because there's some, there's some freaks on the offense as well. Uh, but defensively, Trace Ford, like he stepped on the on the field and you just tell immediately like the way he moved, the way he got through pass rush and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. This is, again, when we didn't have Calvin, when he first got in, I was like, this is like another Calvin bondage, but just like a little thicker. And I was like, yeah, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Philip and I were giddy all offseason thinking about the third down pass rush when you get when you got bondage and forward. Like that was our that was something we wanted to see. And then we saw the Tulsa game. We were both like, yes. Let's yeah. Go. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. Chase Ford has NFL written all over him. Oh, oh no doubt. Not even. No. Um, so before you switched to linebacker, you were uh, you were wide receiver. So I want to talk about Dunn a little bit with you. Obviously. This is his first year as OC, as we mentioned. Um, he was not OC while you were there. But I, I'm going to start by just asking bluntly, uh, is he as big of a hard ass as we have all heard he might be? Of course, as he should be, as he should be. I mean, the guys he produced, the uh, winning Blitnikoff Awards, hey, I would be too. Yeah. So we've, I've, I've seen some stuff written. Shout out to Scott Wright of, uh, of the Oklahoman. He's written some stuff and, and talked to some former players, non-wide receivers, that Dund has a – Dund does a good job of building relationships with guys outside of the wide receiver room. Like, it seems like a lot of guys that aren't just wide receivers like him. I mean, obviously, you were a wide receiver, so you, you worked with him. But kind of talk about, like, his, his relationships outside of just the wide receivers. I think what it is is just with him. It's because what you what you respect out of a guy or out of a coach, right? It's him to be such a hard ass on you on the field, and then be able to relax and draw back from that outside. And what he does, he does that perfectly. You go out there and see him in the office, whatever, walking through the halls. And he's just like, "Hey, Bubba, you know how, how's the family? How, how's everything? This, this and that." Like he knows what each person has, right? Like so. My mom just had a, a little sister, right? Hey, Bubba, how's the little sister? Like, he knows little stuff like that, which kind of scares me a little bit. Because, I mean, like, to remember everybody like that, you know, it's like, hey, hold on. Well, what have you been doing? Like, you know? <laughs> but, I mean, just just that guy and, and being able to have a relationship with this guy is just like that one-on-one. And nothing comes in between. And, you know, you can tell him anything, and he'll give good advice back. And, and not, you know, just keep it to himself never spread around the coaches. It's just always to him. It's like, you know, it's me and you. It's nobody else. So I think being able to do that, I think, has made him probably the great coach that he is now, honestly. I think that's so important. When you have 110 guys roughly on a team, and that ranges from your star starters to your two deep to special teamers to walk-ons, to dudes that just don't that don't play at all that are just kind of there yeah. on the team – to be able to know all of those guys in and out and be able to build relationships with every dude in that room. And they're not even the head coach. They're just a positional coach. That is so important. It really is. And that's, that's good for the recruiting game as well. Um, I think that's why people are like parents kind of draw towards him a lot. It's because he's able to do that. He's able to nitpick at things that like, Hey, like I I went to this school and, and coach didn't do that. Or he didn't have a relationship with that guy walking down the hallway. Like, you know, coach Dunn does. 
well, what does he do different? And now they're kind of interested in like, hey, like, well, I think my kid might want to come here. You know, I, it's it's his decision, but at the same time, it's mine because <laughs> I want him to go somewhere where where I like too. So Ma- yeah. mamas matter in recruiting. Mamas matter in. Recruiting. Oh man, a huge amount. I'm talking about my mom matter. Like I'm sitting there, I'm like, ah, like. You know, I really like Oklahoma State. Like, I really want to go here now. It's like, oh yeah, no, I already, I already got your stuff packed. Like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> All right, I guess we're going. So let me, let me, let's let's shift to conversation to recruiting because I think that's been a big topic of conversation. Is it always with Mike Gundy? Um, I, I think there's a lot of overblown about it. And I think it started because of Holder's comments that Oklahoma State doesn't recruit at a level that fans and people would like them to because you you typically translate, hey, you guys win a lot of games. You know, they had a, from 15, 16, 17, you had three straight 10-win seasons. You had the Big 12 title back in 2011. You had this run. You're like, why are we not recruiting better? Why are, why are our recruiting rankings not in the 20s? Why are they down in the, the low 30s, upper 40s, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I'm not arguing against that. Like, you would like to see – with the resources that Oklahoma State has and the success that they've had on the field, some better recruiting. You'd like to see a higher ranking, right? And, and I think the difference between 25 and 40 is a lot smaller than people actually think it is because we're, it has to do with a lot of the guys at the lower end of the, of the class. Yep. And I think Oklahoma State does a good job of evaluating. However, <clears throat> I think one of the things for Oklahoma State, and I was listening to the Barton and Bud podcast, and, and someone had asked a question about uh, Virginia and Forgive me, I'm going to have to go Google the coach's name because now I suddenly can't remember the guy. Who Bronco Mendenhall. Thank you. You used to be the head coach of BYU. And they asked the simply the question. It was a very, like, my OSU fan kind of question is, why is Virginia not recruiting better with the success they've had? Mm-hmm. And they really started talking about how it's a philosophy. It is a philosophy of Virginia that they are going to – they know what they are. Um, they know the kind of guys they want that fit their culture. They're not going to take – they may not get a lot of the guys that you would think with the five and the four star. Because, hey, it's Virginia. I think Oklahoma yep. State can compare a lot of ways to, to Virginia. Yep. Um, I think Oklahoma State's a better program than Virginia, but that's not the point. Um, no doubt. But he's very much a guy who he wants guys that fit his culture. He doesn't want a bunch of knuckleheads. He's not going to deal with it. He's also the kind of head coach and a coaching staff that isn't going to do the recruiting game, which is all the recruits coming up like, hey, I want a graphic. Hey, shoot me this. Like, social media is so huge. And I know Mike Gundy hates social media. He said it. <laughs> like, he said it. Like, well, there's – Yeah. He doesn't – it doesn't feel like Oklahoma State and Mike Gundy want to play the game required to land those guys. And we can debate how we feel about that philosophy all day, and that's fine. We're going to have differing opinions. It is what it is for me. And while I may not agree with that because that's how you ha- – what you have to do, that's what they want to do. And as long as he's there, that's what they're going to do fine. Yep. But I am curious from your standpoint. You know, we've seen some of the more talented kids who come in in class as some of these four-star kids not make it. I think, I think the, at least one of the top three players in the last few classes has gotten on campus and either never seen the field and transferred or, or whatever. Yep. OSU talks about the cowboy culture all the time. And I think culture is an overused word in sports. Like it's, oh, it's a winning culture. That doesn't mean anything. A culture, yep. like Texas has a culture. It's just putrid, toxic, and crap because of Tom <laughs> Herman, right? But I think OSU really, really believes in their culture and finding guys that fit that. I think that starts with, with Mike Gundy. I think that includes the coaching staff, and I think that's all the way down to – I mean, that's part of why Sean Gleason only lasted a year. He didn't fit the culture at Oklahoma State. And I think that plays into recruiting, which is why they <clears> – <throat> look for the kinds of guys that they do 
So while they will go for guys that are four and five stars that fit their culture, it's really hard to land them because it narrows your, it, it shrinks your pool down. Yeah. So I'm curious if you can kind of, A, am I on the right path here? B, like, <clears throat> is, it, is it fair to say like that's, that's what's so important there is, is the guys that find the most success at Oklahoma State are the guys that really do either fit the culture when they show up or buy into the culture after they arrive? So A, you nailed it, 100%. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and get your get your. I am smart. Go ahead and get your ah. award, anything. Um, B, <laughs> um, I think it doesn't matter, honestly, to me, um, because it, it was a hard time for me to adjust to the culture, in a sense, my first year. I think when you really start to lock in, it doesn't really matter if you do it before or during the process of it eventually you have to lock in and maybe it might be your second, third year that you finally lock in that culture. Um, now by how far off of the culture you are, that does matter because you may see the boot a little early or you might not play at all your whole career. Um, that's just the way it works sometimes. And, um, or you transfer out obviously not because they have this whole portal deal and then it's nice, right? It's, it's flashy. Yeah. So I think, for me as well, like just personally going off of my experience, um, it took me about a year or two to finally fit in the culture and like realize what's going on, how we need to do things. And it was a big shock for me because like me being who I was in high school, I didn't care about time management, which obviously is not what you <laughs> – Yeah, it's not what you want to fall in during college, let me tell you that. Especially as I'll just the illusion of free time. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm sitting there. We got a 5 a.m., huh? Oh, okay. Yeah, we'll see about that one. Sure enough, we did on the three, uh, what was it, 300 Stairmasters? Yeah, that was awful. That was a punishment. You had to run up three or 300 floors if you didn't make your times or stuff like that. Yeah, it was awful. Never again. I learned maybe a couple times, um, maybe three times, four times, but I eventually learned. Um, yeah, it was awful. But to, to, to bring everything back together, just it, ne it never, like, there's never a time limit or a time deal on buying into the culture. I think when you finally get to it, then you're going to start to see some progress. Yes. But if you take too long and you start veering off the wrong path and they start noticing, that's when it's an issue. That's kind of how it feels. Look, I, I, I agree to some extent. It feels like Gundy doesn't want to do the things that are necessary to really succeed at a recruit from a recruiting standpoint. If you want to have high end success, like, no. I think Oklahoma state does a great job of evaluating players do an excellent job of developing talent. I think they've really started focusing on trying to land the guys that they believe fit specifically on defense, what they want to do, especially in the secondary and at, at, at defensive end. Like I think, the, the four-star safety out of Muskogee that plays quarterback, Ty Williams, for this 2021 class. Like, I think they're doing a really good job of evaluating these players. And I think there's some guys who are listed as athletes by 24-7 and rivals in this, this class coming up mm. that are coming into play in the play as DBs. I, I know it's not what everybody wants. Like, you want to land a four-star corner. And I think corner is like, if you had to land top guys, it's cornerback, it's quarterback, cornerback, offensive line, and edge rusher. Like, I, I think the most important yeah. position groups, forget all the running back and wide receiver. Like we can have three-star wide receivers all day. If you've got a five-star quarterback, a blue-chip offensive line, 
pass rushers and corners, you're you're going to have success. Like those to me are the four most important position groups. Like stop the wide receivers, get the ball to your quarter to your wide receivers, uh, (laughs) rush the quarterback, and protect yours. You're going to have success. Um, No doubt. And I really think that the scheme that Jim Knowles has brought to Oklahoma State is effective and works. And I think they're trying to recruit to that to allow him to continue to do like they have done with, you know, when you have Ray, <laughs> Redarius Williams out there who's just been a shutdown corner all year, oh, um, yeah. you're able to do the things that, that Jim Knowles likes to do. And I, I think they're trying to do that. And I think it's hard to get the four. You're not going to get a five. Sorry. If they get a five-star at Oklahoma State, I'm going to immediately start to wonder how much he got paid. I'm just going to be <laughs> honest. Um, I think people want to see you land fours, but I think they do a good job of evaluating guys early and trying to yeah. get guys that are that they know they can get that fit the culture. And it's not going to make everyone excited and happy, but it. And we would it's like to it. see things work better, but I I think that it is to some extent working. Mm-hmm. And and you're you're hundred percent right on that one, no doubt. And I think it's, I think the interesting premium that they also put into recruiting is guys that are multi-sport athletes. Mm. Like, I think of the, however, there's, you know, save maybe one or two guys in the current class that's here for, or for 2021, they play multiple sports, at least two, if not three. And I think that, you know, that's something that you can't quantify necessarily, but it makes you a better football player. No doubt. I I mean, it brings you as like an all around athlete. I mean, just like you said, like, you play as many of these sports. Like you play baseball, football, do track. I mean, obviously, football and track kind of work hand to hand. I mean, you see L.D. Brown out there, track speed. I mean, who? Now you know what I'm saying. I don't know. I don't know who would win the race. I think L.D. might win the race between him and Chuba, but I don't know. I might have to see that one again. I, we're clipping that. We're gonna clip that. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a take, but I'm also intrigued. I'm very, very intrigued by that. I'm sorry. Hold up. Back up. Have Chuba and uh, uh, and LD had races? They may have had one. They may have had one. And I was, I was <clears> there, <throat> so I don't know the the official, you know, times or whatnot. Do you know who won this race? Ah, you know, I just from word of mouth, I heard it may have been LD. But not by much. But it's because Chuba didn't have a good start. I don't know. It just – I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I have to see another time. I have to see one more time. We're going to need – we're going to give you a little homework uh, here. We're going <laughs> to need you to go and, and get this story and bring it back to us um, because we're going to need some clarification. And, yeah, if you think we're not going to use this to tease the pod, <laughs> I work in marketing, man. I ain't dumb. <laughs> It may have been a tie. I don't know. I want to shift this back to you real quick, and then we'll. I, got, I have a couple of rapid fire questions for you, but really want to talk about the day that you found out you got your scholarship uh, for your registered senior year. What was that day like? You know, what you know? How did you find out? Who was the first person you called? Take take us through that day. So literally, it was when we had our women's one on one camp, um, and I was on the forum with my mom. Uh, and a couple of the players' moms, like Tylen and Trayson's mom, um, and there's a couple others, like Rye Snyder and all them. So I was sitting there with my mom, you know, walking through the, uh, the indoor facility, you know, just watching everybody go through their drills and whatnot. 
and then Rod Johnson came up and was like, hey, like, you know, come see me in the office later on. I was like, oh, okay, like, you know, maybe I just forgot to do some paperwork or something like that because, you know, you just get nothing but paperwork up there and it's, uh, okay, 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 fine. Um, so I just let them all come with me just because, you know, I'm not going to leave her out there by herself. And she wasn't doing the camp anyways because she has, you know, bad shoulders and whatnot. Uh, so I was like, hey, mom, just come with me real quick. You know, we're just going to fill some paperwork probably, and that's it. She's like, okay. So I go up there, and he just gives me a nice, we go, like, handshake right when I walk in the door. He's like, hey, man, I just want to let you know uh, we'll be able to take care of you financially throughout this whole, you know, last year that you got. I was like, wait, you know, I do have a degree, but does that mean I'm on, like, scholarship? Like, is that what that means? I don't know. And he said, no, yes, yes, that's what it means. I was like, ah, okay. You know, it just takes a while sometimes. I don't I don't know. So then my mom's in the back. I turn around to look at her and she's already crying. I'm like, okay, there it is. I thought I was supposed to be going crying, you know, but whatever. All right. Kind of took that spotlight, you know, but whatever. I'll give it to her. She, she earned it because, you know, she dealt with me the whole time. So whatever. Moms earn everything. Like just understand moms are allowed to steal spotlights whenever they want to. That's fine. It's okay. Exactly. Uh, Okay. I know Joel's got some rapid fire. Let me lead off our rapid fire with this. What is it like, um, dating a bigger Oklahoma state celebrity than you, man. Look, she literally just walked through the door. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, not too long you know ago. what? Philip, we're good. Can you put yeah, Sam you know, on I'll now? Just give it to her. It's fine. Like I'll just knock on the door again. So I come in <laughs> if you need her, uh, she probably might answer more questions, you know, about football and stuff like that too. It's whatever. Um, but no, it's actually pretty fun. Cause it kind of challenges me to like be better in my aspect in my game, you know, cause she's this, confident and just um just big time player i mean how do you hit two home runs in a college world series game and pitch to the point to lead your team to a win you know what i'm saying like how do you do that in one sitting you, you don't see that i'm like oh like i kind of want to be like that and you know like as i'm thinking about that I'm like i really just said that i want to be just like my girlfriend kind of thing so I'm like, okay you know what at the time it wasn't you know we weren't a thing at that time I was like, you know what? Yeah, let's 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 go ahead. You know, like you know, get together a little bit. You know, let's let's see let's see how this works. Because I mean, you're just gonna make me better at this point. For for those listening who don't haven't figured it out yet, that that would be same show. So the the bat flip queen, uh, cowgirl. <laughs> oh, the bat flip cowgirl queen. There we go. That's the right way. There you go. There you go. Yeah. I mean, yeah. If you don't mind, uh, when we're done here, I'm just gonna want to. If you could set up that interview for us, that would be. No, no, no problem. Um, and I can also, you know, if you need an autograph, like, you know, because they got their new tops cards, um, I can send you uh, those too. Oh. Okay, yeah, I, we're going to have a conversation when this is done recording. Yeah, see, I, I, I have a binder of baseball cards from 2020 because my son was born back in September. And so I have a binder full of baseball cards from 2020. I need that in the collection for sure. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so I, I got a couple of questions here. Um, Favorite uniform that you wore? Favorite uniform combination? Oh, man. <laughs> Golly, this is a rapid fire, and I don't even know what to say. Uh, like picking a child. I think, what honestly, all black. All black or the homecoming, it was the orange and white. Uh, orange top, white bottom, and, like, the, the throwback kind of helmet uh, that we had. Was it two? No, last year. Last year. Oh, the, uh, the Barry Sanders ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, there we go. So that was that was yeah. two years ago, right? Two years ago. Yeah, against Texas. Yep. When yeah, Tom, yeah, when Brecken Hager tried to like when Tyron Johnson like bullied Brecken Hager, I'll never forget that. Basically, yeah, yeah. 
I love that combo. It's uh-huh. only because, like, the pants were just – they were so stretchy, you know? Like, the, the, the pants that we have now, like, they're stretchy. Don't get me wrong, but they're tight. The Barry Santa joints, they had some – some. I don't know what it was, what type of material it was, but that thing – oh, it's like I went into pajamas. Okay. All right. And I totally just lost my other question because I had to think about the uniform combination. <laughs> a gun. Uh, favorite win. Oh, that was what I was going to be something like that. Yeah. Favorite win. Um, honestly, again, I think it'd have to be that Texas because, like, me coming from Harker Heights, I'm literally an hour north of Austin, Texas. So I'm sitting there. And I grew up a UT fan as well. Like, I was hardcore UT this, UT that all day. Um, but then when we were to, able to beat him, and my buddy Andrew Beck was a tight end for oh, that team. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm, so he was a senior mm-hmm. for Texas, and I was like, oh, hell yeah, we beat your ass. <laughs> <laughs> we took I a like picture it. afterwards. He didn't look so happy, but I did. I was smiling <laughs> so hard. <laughs> all right, 11 a.m. kick or night game? Night game, all day. Night I game. cannot deal with the – do you know at the 11 a.m. games, we have to wake up around 6 o'clock for meetings? Like, who does that? <laughs> who, who does that? Who thinks in their mind, like, yeah, like, everybody's a morning person, no doubt. Like, no. I am a night owl. I can't even sleep until maybe 1 or 2 o'clock in, at, like, in the morning, you know? <laughs> See, yeah. I, so I'm, I'm a night game fan when I can go to the game because I can yeah. go tailgate all day. I'm also good with morning beers for an 11 a.m. game, but when I can't go to the game – 11 a.m. or night is fine. The 2.30 kick is about the worst thing on the planet. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Once you have kids, let me tell you right now, once you have kids and you're up at 7 a.m. every day anyways, 11 a.m. is great. 2.30 takes up the whole day because you can't do any. Like, what are we going to do? You got to wait around until 2.30, 11 o'clock or night game. So either like during nap time or sleep time or after bed, yeah. it's perfect. Especially when you've been up since 7, you're like, I would like to just go ahead and start my football game and not wait for the next – seven hours for my game to start well you see also i mean 11 a.m is cool because then after the game you got some time to take a nap and then maybe hit up murphy's later on i don't know i mean you be the you know under the neon palm trees <laughs> okay I'll, we'll go is murphy's your favorite bar or do you have somewhere do you have another go-to on the strip uh, like I just feel like everybody went to murphy's because that's like what the tradition was kind of thing i don't know why I, I, I like the palm trees, though. I mess with them. Um, but I kind of just like Union because, like, the environment is just always packed and everybody just likes to – I don't know. It's just – it's kind of my style. I don't like the kind of, like, we're just kind of chilling, like, okay. Like, we're so looking that's around. Exactly, that's the reason I go to College Bar, for that exact reason. <laughs> really? Union, Union is not my thing, man. I just wanted to go and sit with a pitcher of beer and watch a game and just chill. That's why I, that's why I signed a College oh, see, Bar. I just love Razors. I'm like Gronkowski over here. Man. I just love Razors. <laughs> Just love them. Uh, so, okay, last question. Were you friends with any other, like, OSU athletes, obviously besides Sam? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you can pick. I see now this is going to sound horrible. You, you can pick anybody off the softball team. Like, I, I probably talked to them, like, like you know, because we are just really good friends. And, and obviously, Sam, I date Sam, so I kind of know him. Um, or track team. Like, I've had – all the throwers. I used to be a thrower or I was about to compete um, and COVID hit. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, never mind. I guess my track career is over and it didn't even start. It never even started. So fantastic. I got the gear. 
So that's cool. There you go. That's about it. All right, man. This has been a ton of fun. This is not going to be the last time you're going to be on, I'm sure. We, we oh, need, God, we'll no. need to do this again. No, this uh, awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. For anyone that maybe doesn't follow you on social media that listens to this, uh, do a quick social media plug. So let's start off with that YouTube channel because I just started up a YouTube channel last week. Um, and it's called Red's World, R-E-D-Z-W-R-L-D. That's my channel. Go ahead and subscribe to it. Go ahead and like some videos. I'm about to put up another video, actually, uh, this Thursday. So go ahead and do that. My Twitter handle would be, oh, jeez, I don't even know what it is. Come on. I got to have that thing ready. Red Wine Phillip with one L, not two. Not like the other Phillip. I'm sorry, Phillip. That's good. That's how we different. You can tell, like, you're Phillip and I'm Phillip. Like, if you can't hear the difference, I don't, I don't. I don't know. Fantastic. Fantastic. And then Instagram <laughs> is Philip Redwine. You know, we just flipped it. Just keep it simple. Nothing crazy. Nothing too crazy. And I believe that that first video that you put up on YouTube, I watched it. You did the one chip challenge. Oh, oh I don't want to know how painful and awful that was. Well, did you see how Sam reacted? Yeah. <laughs> oh, she took it like a G. She's like, oh, like it's hot. But, you know, I've had worse. <laughs> like, how? This is the hottest chip in the world. What? I'm sitting there sweating, oh. can't even talk, can't think. And i like, okay, so this wasn't in the video. But maybe 10 or 20 minutes later after that whole hour, and I just cut everything off, I was in the bathroom. My stomach was hurting so bad. I, I blew chunks. I'm not even going to lie to you. I blew chunks and went down to my hands and knees, sweating so bad on the tile floor. I was trying to keep my balance because I kept, like, moving around and slipping. <laughs> I'm just, oh, dear Lord, just get me through this. Please, I cannot. I cannot do this. Oh, man, it was awful. It was awful. Oh, man. Uh, this has been more fun than I even could have expected. This has been awesome. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. Yeah, we're, 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 you're, get, hope you're ready to be a regular because this is about to happen. I'm ready. I'm ready at all times. All right, man. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you soon. Yes, sir. Take it easy, too. See ya. Thank you to Philip Redwine Bryant for coming on. Uh, he doesn't know it yet, and we, even though we mentioned it, he is now going to be a regular on this podcast. Uh, that was a ton of fun. Really good insight. Very well-spoken. Very, very good dude. Yeah, we're, we're totally just going to use him to get Sam on the show at some point. But he's, but he's awesome, too. Let's no, no, no. Be, no, no. I'm kidding. Good. Like, yeah. uh, No. He is going – I would like him to be a regular. I think that was fun unless everyone's like, no, nah, I guess sucked, which you won't because I know it was a ton of fun. Um, but at the same time, we have been wanting to get Sam on the show at some point, so maybe this off season when we have – I think, I think like a joint pod series. with them two would be pretty fun. <gasps> oh, that would be fun. Kind of like our uh, our Bailey and um, – Bailey and uh, Anise McEwen. Yeah. Thank you. God, it's 10 o'clock on a Tuesday night. Like I'm, I do my best. Anise and Bailey, which was tons of fun. But, yes, we can get the two of them on. But, I, yeah, I, I, if, look, those who listen or this far, like, DM us. Let us know your thoughts. Like, I thought he was awesome. You all think he was awesome. Let us know. We, would, we will be happily to bring him on. Uh, we do want to touch on, before we wrap up, a little hoops. Um, before we talked about Oklahoma State, um, uh, for the Big 12, um, Kansas State is, like, bad. No, See, not like no, 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 hold on. Not like bad. Like they lost to Fort Hayes State by thirteen tonight. Bad at home, at home. Kansas State's 
bad, like not good. And that lead, well, I want to, I want that to lead me. We can talk about the ORU game in a minute, but I want that to lead me into my conversation. I want to have about ORU or about Oklahoma State because I told you in our text beforehand that I was going to say something you weren't going to like. Okay. And I'm going to tell you what that is right now. I have a real concern that the NCAA is going to find a new way to f Oklahoma State by postponing the postseason ban to next year and Oklahoma State missing it this year, anyways. That's a very real possibility. Um, watching the Cade Cunningham show is so much fun. It's one of the most fun. It's basically the most fun thing I, to me, we've had as an Oklahoma State fan since the Marcus Smart era. And yeah. I don't mean that as a dig at any of the Oklahoma State players who have come through this program. I love Oklahoma State basketball. Oklahoma State basketball is the reason I am an Oklahoma State fan. Period. End of story. I love hoops. I love what my point is done. I think he's I think he's fantastic. But watching Cade Cunningham is the most fun I've had as an OSU fan since the Marcus Smart era. That said, you have had close games against Arlington, UT Arlington. You've had close games against Oakland. I know they pulled away late. You had a really close game against ORU. This team has deficiencies. They struggle defending the three. Um, I am. I think that they beat Wichita State on Saturday. They're going to go to Wichita State. I think they win that game. Um, then you start conference play. You get TCU at home to start things off. TCU's going to finish seventh, right? Maybe eighth. It was ninth. It's the Iowa State TCU. Who knows which one finishes where? Doesn't matter. Um, that is going to be a nice, I think, 7 0 start. I have real concerns about this team versus the top half of the Big 12. I think Cade could have a monster game against a Kansas or a Baylor. Like he's going to have a game against the, the top teams where you're just like, just fan me, please. Like all the fan me bite, lip bite gifs you can throw into something to, uh, to stop the sexual. Choosy moms choose GIF. Um, oh. I have I've never been more disappointed in you ever. That just hurts my soul a little bit. Really? That's the thing that disappoints you? Is <laughs> yes, choice of pronunciation for GIF. Literally, the creator of GIFs calls it GIF, so y'all are done. Cram it. <laughs> Kermit. Um, I have a real concern about this team's ability to beat the top teams in the conference. We need to I, – I, and, and I say all of that – because today I had the thought while I sat on Ken Palm and dug through the ratings of Oklahoma State's non-conference opponents and their non-conference schedule being rated bad and thought, I need to slow my ass down and just enjoy this season and Kid Cunningham for what it is. Because maybe they have a postseason, maybe they don't. Maybe the band gets pushed off for a year. Maybe the band gets turned over. Maybe that maybe they go to the appeal and they go, you know what? We're assholes. Go have a postseason. We're you, no. We'll do everything else, but you get your postseason back because whatever. They're not gonna, but whatever. But 
you know, they struggled against ORU last year and they weren't that good. And I understand they have Cade Cunningham, but I just I just want to enjoy the season. And I think that's my thing. We've been so focused on postseason, we're so focused on the NCAA and all this other crap. And I think what I want to do the rest of the way is try not to get caught up in it because I, I do have real concerns about this team moving forward outside of Cade and and players who I think are continuing to develop, Rondell Walker, uh, Bryce Williams, who's, who looks like a nice piece, Ma'am, Ma'am Jam. I saw the Ma'am Jam tweet and uh, props. Props. Thank, thank you, Brian Metcalf, for that one, friend of the pod. Yeah, let's just do this. I want this Ma'am Jam. I don't care. Ma'am Jam. Um, this team might be 500 total. Like, maybe they go 7-0 and they have a bad season in the Big 12. Um, the bottom is going to be garbage. OU will be good. Uh, and the top five teams in the conference are currently all in the top nine in Kempom. Let me repeat that for you. The top five teams in the conference, Baylor, West Virginia, Kansas, Texas, and Texas Tech, are all top nine in Ken Palm. That's stupid. Now, granted, they played five games. The non-conference is weird. And, blah, 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 and blah. the Big 12 is going to cannibalize itself at some point. It always oh, does. It is. Yeah. But I have real concerns in the Big 12 of the top five are going to all be so good. They might cannibalize themselves. But they might all just curb stomp everyone else. That's also fair. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think both I, of those I, things can be true. I think yeah. Texas Tech is not as good. But I think the other four are really good. Um, so here's my, here's my philosophy for the rest of the season. Here's what I'm going to do as an Oklahoma State fan. This is all what this is leading to. I'm just going to try and enjoy the games. And I caught myself getting grumpy because they had a close game against ORU, and I'm pretty pissy still about ORU firing Scott Sutton, whatever. Um, and then Abams or Azams or whatever that kid was who went off for 30-something points to, tonight. Uh, Max, it's called, it's spelled Abmas, A-B-M-A-S. I don't know if that's the correct pronunciation. He had 36, 6, and 9. Good heavens. He'll be on a Power 5 team next season. <laughs> but Cade Cunningham was spectacular to close the game. Kate Cunningham has been spectacular to watch this season. It's almost been, I don't want to say boring, but like because the level of competition outside of the road game at Marquette's been so bad that you're just like, oh, he just makes it all look so easy. I am so ex- I am thoroughly enjoying him, and I'm so excited to watch him play a really good game, i.e., at Texas on December 20th. Like I have, I have circled Texas is is. Shaka Smart with hair, it's it's the whole like Samson Delilah situation. Like his hair's back and now he's good. I'm so pumped for that game and I said I want to see Cade against Texas. I'm so thrilled for that game. I'm I, I feel like we all just deserved Cade. Like we deserve this. We absolutely we do. deserve this. Yes. Especially after football season, like mm-hmm. I had the way it's been going. We deserve this. I, I agree with you. I, I think there there are deficiencies with this team. Uh, the two main ones that bother me the most at this point is defending the three-point line. Uh, the last two games, Oakland and Oral Roberts have shot the lights out. Uh, but those are two teams that that is their entire offense, and they hit their shots. Uh, that's basketball. And I think what people need to understand as well is that in the grand scheme of things, when you play basketball, good offense beats good defense. It just it does. You can play good defense for 29 seconds, a prayer goes up, and the shot goes in. That's the law of averages swing. The pendulum swings all season long. I think we'll see stretches where Oklahoma State defends three-point line well, and they don't. It just kind of varies game to game depending on how things go. I think a lot of that is predicated on you have a very young team 
with a lot of freshmen and sophomores that haven't played together and a couple of gra- and a couple of transfers they're still trying to gel and Boynton is also still trying to uh, you know Boynton's still trying to figure out the rotations that work the best in matchups as the game rolls on and I think Boynton is a really good coach and he's figuring that out best times to throw a zone and man it's going to work itself out as the season goes on I don't think it's a huge red flag this team is going to lose x amount you know game after game after game but i think early on we are seeing some of these issues present themselves and i trust but i also trust the coaching staff to be able to minimize those deficiencies to still put the team in position to succeed but how slow they have started in a couple of these games against mm-hmm. UT arlington um marquette uh oakland oru we've seen in four of the five games this year they've just started really slow and that's one of those times where I think I think what's fascinating about a guy like Kate Cunningham is this was the first game that I think he really forced some things, tried to force some shots, you know, try and force him to force the issue a little bit, uh, which five games in to see a true freshman really like this is the first time you really saw him go, what the heck are you doing? Uh, that's, you know, that's kind of impressive in and of itself. But the, that's the time where I almost want to see him kind of take over and set the tone. He likes to kind of sit back, kind of see what the defense is doing, kind of see how how things are rolling, dish out some assists and go, and then start scoring, kind of get things going. He's a guy that needs to be the straw that serves the drink at the beginning of the game. He, I want to see him really enough just be more aggressive early on in the game because you know what he can do at the end of the game. We saw it tonight when they really needed him, when ORU couldn't miss from three in the final two minutes. He, he had the ball in his hands, and they, they scored five buckets in a row. And he iced the game at the free throw line. I mean, that that three he hit to put Oklahoma State up by two possessions, I think, with about a minute left. Like, oh yeah. And he's and the big knock on him is his outside shooting. And he was two or four from three tonight. His mid range off the bounce is almost indefensible. When he's got a, a lane to the rim with a dude on his hip, he's gonna score. You know, he, he's a complete player. He, he really is. If his outside shot continues to improve as the season rolls, good God, I don't know how you're going to stop a 6'8 point guard at all unless well, you truly just double team him. That shot came on a really poor shooting. I, I, him and, and, and Moncrief were the only ones who could hit shots tonight. Everybody else. Yes. Like, Flavors is one of seven. It was a really – it's, it's not, not like ORU is like some defensive juggernaut. They were just not hitting shots, which is weird at home, and you got the win. So credit to OSU for – as the term is used in football, winning your clunkers, like this yes. was a basketball clunker version of, and they, but I agree. The slow starts are, are concerned because if you have a slow start against, like it's one thing against ORU and Oakland and UT Arlington. It's a whole other thing. If you do that against a Texas or a Kansas or even a, an Oklahoma or a Texas tech or a, or a TCU on the road. Like if you have a really bad start against a big 12 team outside of maybe Kansas state at this point, that's that's a whole different animal. That's gonna be a whole different thing. So it's something they're gonna have to work on. Uh, we'll see how they continue to develop. Uh, I'm really concerned about OSU when they go against teams with really strong inside presences. Luckily, Kansas is not one of those this year. Uh, West Virginia is gonna be West Virginia is gonna be a problem. The well, weird thing is, like Kansas is obviously really good, but with the roster construction Oklahoma State has right now, they match up really well against Kansas. They have oh, one yeah. big guy in David McCormack. David McCormack ain't it. No. This, this is not a normal Kansas roster. This is not, not a normal, normal Kansas, Kansas roster. Team. This is why I think like, Oklahoma State is going to need to – the, and I'm going to go and use a baseball analogy, but I've heard, the baseball analogy is you win the games against teams you need to beat and mm. go 500 against everybody else. 
Yes, thank you. That is the point. That is the other point I really wanted to so, end on for OSU. Yes, Oklahoma State needs to beat Iowa State. They need to sweep Iowa State. They need to sweep Kansas State. They need to sweep TCU. Correct. And sorry, what? No, that's correct. Yeah, the and, at least, and then att- yeah. attempt to sweep. Uh, attempt to sweep OU, but at least try and split with OU, and then try and steal three or four against those top five teams. I'm not expecting them to go and sweep Kansas like they did a couple of years ago. I'm not expecting them to go and steal one on the road at West Virginia, but you steal at least three of those eight games, you're a tournament team. Finishing fifth in the Big 12 at about 10 and 8, 11 and 9, puts you at probably a six or seven seed in the Big 12 in the Big in the NCAA tournament. Finishing 500 in the Big 12 gets you in. Yes. So if you can, that's the thing, avoid the bad losses. So agreed, sweep Iowa State. And I'm, even if Iowa State's bad, Hilton Magic still a thing. Sweep yes. Iowa State, sweep Kansas State, sweep TCU. And TCU has been good at home. Like they're not the easiest team in the world to beat in Fort Worth. They have won games there. They have knocked off opponents. If you can get that, that's six wins. They're not six great wins, but that's six wins. Then you need three wins against your other what is that that's six games out of an 18 that's 12 so you need three more wins in your other 12 games to get to 500 if you can avoid the bad losses that means that you're picking up good wins if you sweep them every other win's gonna be a good win like oklahoma is gonna be good enough that's gonna be a good win every other win is gonna be a good win pick up some good wins you pick up four or five good wins you get the six that you should that's the other thing. If you lose to a Kansas State, if you lose to a TCU or an Iowa State, that means you have to get that many. Like you almost have to get You're going two to get more those good wins good to balance that out. Mm-hmm. So you need to avoid the bad losses this season, and then just pick up some good wins, which is easier said than done. In the Big Twelve, even if Kansas State, TCU, and Iowa State are down, it's still the Big Twelve. Like it's still hard to sweep mm-hmm. teams. It's it's really hard to do it. So we'll just like I'm I'm pumped. I'll, I'm super excited for this game at Wichita State. It's not what it was um, on Saturday, but stupid games. We get that. I think they win. I think Wichita State is solid, um, but they've played two games thus far, which isn't a whole lot. Um, they also eked by ORU, kind of like OSU. Like it, it they they was an 85-80 win. So ORU may not be completely terrible. Uh, Lost to Missouri, who looks like they might be pretty good, and then they get a home game against OSU. So, OSU to me, I think Wichita State. I don't think Wichita State is as good as Marquette. I think Marquette is a better team than Wichita State. Marquette beat Wisconsin. Okay, Um, I think Oklahoma State is a better team. I think Marquette is a better team than Wichita State. You beat Marquette on the road. I think you had a rough game tonight. Go on the road, get this win, and. You wrap up the early season, early non-conference stretch. You can be six and zero. You TC at home. That should be a win. You can start seven and zero. That's a really good spot to be in. It's a really good spot to be in seven and zero because you looked at the schedule, kind of went okay. Six and one felt good. If they can start six seven and zero, that's a that's a good that's good, that's really really good. On a, as young as this team is. As much turnover as there was, you really think about last year. You've got one. You've got one upperclassman who's who's been here for more than a year, in likely, young team, trying to figure things out still. Even with Cade, it would be a nice start. Yeah, for sure. And uh, as I mentioned, I believe on the last episode, you need Isaac Likely and Cade Cunningham to do what they're going to do. 
And I want to see Isaac likely be more aggressive on the offensive end. He had eight assists tonight, eight points. Uh, but if he can get you, you know, 12 and six and four and two and whatever else, because he's just going to stuff the stat sheet. And you get Cade getting his casual 20 and seven and four. You just get it from one other guy a night. You need some production elsewhere, but you need one other guy to have a night. And it's been a different guy every single game. You had Moncrief tonight with 15. You had Caleb Boone have that really nice stretch there at the start of the second half to really set the tone and give Oklahoma State that lead they were able to hold on to uh, with 11 points. Ke- Keelan Boone had 12 rebounds. Like, he's – he's what, Yeah. And he's, he's, you know, a decent shooter. He's a decent guard, defends pretty well. But, man, he crashes the boards as a guard. You love to see stuff like that. Bryce Williams has a ton of juice. But the thing that's, that I love right now is you have multiple – you have so many true freshmen that are getting that experience right now and grinding out these types of wins. It's just showing guys how to win. And seeing that for a young team is so important. And it's, it's kind of like how I look at football, you know, in any sport. Just win. And then worry about everything else after. Just get the win. W's matter. Winning cures all for the most part. But being able to just see, being able to see you win a game just gives you that confidence. You know, Moncrief had 15 tonight. And he's about as athletic a stretch big as I've seen Oklahoma State have in a very long time. That behind the back gather to a dunk was fantastic. Um, put back the alley, like everything, like he's just a freak and Rondo Walker hasn't put up, you know, he had, you know, what 19 and he had 18 or whatever against Marquette and Texas Southern. He hasn't necessarily, you know, scored a lot in the last couple games, but he's a spark plug defensively. That guy brings some juice and it felt like every single time there was a tip pass or visible, he's diving on the floor, he's getting a steal and he's, and it's a run out and defense, you know, defense will get you on the floor. As much as people love scoring, and that's awesome, there's more than one way to impact a basketball game. Kay Cunningham had 29. That's awesome. You know, Keelan Boone had six points, I think, but he had those 12 rebounds and defended well. Uh, Rondo Walker had three points, but the dude locked up whoever he was guarding and had four steals or, you know, as many tips. I think he had one steal, but it felt like he had seven. Bryce Williams did the same thing. He had a couple of steals and only five points. And I think people need to, if you want to take a step back from the game and just besides looking at the score, see how guys are impacting the game because there's more than one way to do it than just scoring points. That's why, you know, Tony Allen made a career in the NBA just locking dudes up. You know, he was he could score and he provided some offensive production, but you knew what he was going to do. It was that first team all defense. You know, you need those types of dudes on the team. Yes. You need those types of guys on a team. You need your Kate Cunningham's, your you know, your Isaac Likely's, your you know, your dudes that are going to get your points. You need your guys that are just going to. Hey, this guy's not going to score for the 15 minutes I'm on the floor tonight. And that's the kind of role players that matter for this team. And to get that in, out of a true freshman too, out of two true freshmen that were able to be sparked off the bench tonight, says a lot early on. Um, we should probably talk Baylor real quick because we're already going long, so. Um, my one note on Baylor is this. Uh, Dave Aranda is a really good defensive mind. Um, yes, Oklahoma was dealing with COVID issues, including on the coaching staff ahead of Saturday's game. But don't that's not all to blame for why Baylor did a good job against Oklahoma's offense. Remember, it's the same guy who shut down Oklahoma's offense when he was the D.C. at LSU, right? Um, now, part of that is, 
Dave Brown just seems to know what to do against Lincoln Riley. But OU's got plenty of game tape. Baylor's going to come into this game with plenty of offensive game tape for what Oklahoma State wants to do with a very simple offensive game plan. Dave Aranda is very smart. He's a really good defensive guy. Don't let Baylor's two-win record fool you into thinking that Baylor is a terrible team. Baylor's not a good team, but Baylor is not as bad as their record would indicate to you. They've had leads in games that they've blown. They've been in games that they have lost. They may be 2-6, and six, but they are better than their record. This is not a garbage BYU or Baylor team, okay? It's just not. It's not. They had the lead against Texas Tech and blew it. They had a lead against Iowa State and blew it. Like, this is a this is a solid team that has been getting progressively better as the season has gone on. You held Oklahoma at 27 points. They were going to win that game. They were never going to win that game. They were never close enough in that game to win that game. But their defense did its job. I am very concerned for OSU on Saturday. Yeah, I am too. And I think we chalked this one as a loss pretty much all season. If they had played the game in October, I think Oklahoma State wins. Win. Because Baylor was not good then. But the minute that that game got moved back to December 12, you and I both said, yeah, this doesn't, feel, this doesn't feel good. Yep. Um, even if Oklahoma State was 9-0 at this point, I still would feel really bad about this game. If but Oklahoma it, State's offense wasn't the – the issue bad that was. thing being yeah. kind the bad thing that it is right now like i would still be concerned in this game because baylor is better than their record indicates and then they continue to improve defensively and charlie brewer is charlie brewer um i don't understand how oklahoma state opens as a four-point favorite in this game hold on let me check what the line is now OSU i opens saw it was my last I, I saw earlier it was osu minus five that was what i was showing on the espn app I'm, I don't think Oklahoma State should be a favorite. No. I don't think they should have been a favorite last week. I don't think they should be. Yeah, it's four and a half, five, five and a half. It's five and a half. Golden Nugget has it at six. How yeah. is OSU's line continuing to grow? I don't understand that. If, I'm sorry. I mean, folks, Look, if, if Baylor truly, can't run the ball. to Like, Baylor can't run the ball. Baylor has, like, no running backs left. Baylor cannot run the ball. Baylor can't run the ball. OSU's defense should do a good job depending upon who's able to play. But Charlie Brewer's good. And if the se- if Rodarius Williams still can't play and Trey Sterling's still beat up and these guys aren't 100% healthy, Charlie Brewer will throw the ball to good wide receivers. They can't run the ball. This is going to be an ugly game. This is going to be an ugly game. OSU's going to – if they're going to win, they're going to have to win ugly again. It's going to be that another low-scoring, gross, just hope to goodness that our defense gets us six points again kind of game. I – uh, look, I'll just say it. I think Baylor wins this game. I think they win a close game. I think they win by like two or three. Um, I'm sorry. I would love for OSU to just come out and smoke them. Like, you know, I've heard all the crap, kind of like Texas did to Kansas State, just come out and be like, I'll forget all you guys. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Baylor wins a, an ugly close game, a low-scoring game that OSU's in until the end and then just can't win. Yeah, I just – yeah, it, it's one of those things that – Oklahoma State, I still think, is probably the better team overall. But the offensive deficiencies that we've seen for the last few weeks, I think it finally just – it really, truly caught up to them against TCU when they forced five turnovers and you still lose a game. Like, you cannot let that happen. Baylor's not that good. 
I just, I don't, I, I so, like I said, Oklahoma State's a better team, but I think the way that this game just sets up, I just don't foresee Oklahoma State winning this game. Like I said, it's going to be an ugly, close game. It's going to be infuriating to watch. We're going to watch it anyway because it's just what we do. But I, I, I agree with you. I think Baylor wins this game by like a field goal, something like that, something like a 23-20, something like that. It's not going to be pretty on either side. We're not going to enjoy this game for the most part. Nope. But this kind of just is what it is. I'm sorry. To, I hate being that pessimistic asshole, but it's just kind of where we're at. And give me a reason to give me the reason, me a reason not, to not to be pessimistic. Like, yeah, at a certain point, you have to you you have to give me a reason to not be a slightly a pessimistic realist and not be like like look, should they win this game? Yeah, but they should have beaten TCU, and they didn't. Um, so you, at this point, I'm at the you have to prove to me the offense is going to be able to do something other than more than score 16 points because I'm going to be honest with you. I think Dave Aranda is a better defensive coach than Gary Patterson, and I think Dave Aranda is going to have a perfect, perfectly drawn up game plan against Oklahoma State. They're going to need the defense to score. I just, I don't, uh, especially if I, I don't think Tylen's going to play. No, um, I don't think he will either. So I just, I, I have real concerns about this game. Um, let's not deal with bowl game stuff. We can do that later. I know you want to do jerseys. Um, it's a road game, so I'll go with white jersey. Uh, oh, I don't know. Can I go black, white, white? Or black, white, black. Black, black white, white, white would look good. I don't know. I have a realistic guess because at this point it's 1030 on a Tuesday night. So I'm going to go with uh, black, white, white. I don't think that's actually oh, – can we do black, white, gray? Have we done black, white, gray? Probably at some point. Gray. I love black, white, gray. It's a great game. I know nobody likes the gray pants, and I'm like the only person in Oklahoma State fan who likes the gray pants. I, I like the gray pants. Give uh, me black, in, white, gray. I'll go. I'll go orange, white, black with. Give me the orange chrome with the big P. Mm. You know something. We like haven't that. busted that one out in a while. I know. That's why I'm thinking. Like we haven't seen that all year. That's normally a, a favorite. That's only one you see at least once or twice. It's a terrible helmet. <laughs> That's why. Yeah, um, it's not my I favorite would, helmet in the world, but we haven't seen it yet. So. I don't think they'll do it. Like they don't use the badge anymore, and nothing makes me sadder than the lat than the, the fact that the badge has basically gone away. Give me Phantom Pete black helmet, white gray pants. Uh, this is a, a Phantom Pete podcast. That's, that's uh, sure. yeah. If we, we've we're we're spitballing uh, name changes for the podcast. We thought about the. Ang- the Angry Cowboy Podcast, the Angry Orange Cowboy Podcast, um, uh, the Phantom Pete uh, Fan Club is also a good name for an Oklahoma State podcast. Um, we'll we'll, we'll crowdsource some suggestions if you've made it to this far in the episode. Thank you, and tweet <laughs> Thank at you. <laughs> tweet us or at Cowboys RFF any suggestions for an actual name for this episode. And uh, let's see, this is episode one ninety four. I said let's uh, let's debut a new name for the pod by episode two hundred. Ooh, let's say by January, let's say the start of the new year, we'll have a new name for the pod. Yeah. After, you know, we've done about a hundred and 130 or so episodes. We finally get a new name for it. Cowboys ride for free. The podcast is just a terrible name. It is. It is too long. We should have been creative back then when we started this thing in 2018, but here we are. Well, this has been around. The name was established before we took over. So it's not our fault, but we need, we need a new name for it. So if you have any suggestions, let us know. Uh, Philip, where can everyone follow you on Twitter? 
Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXARPoke. One last, uh, of course, you can follow my show, 1012 Podcast TE, and number 12 Podcast. Of course, we are up on Mondays and Thursday mornings. Uh, one quick note we'll talk about recruiting. We've talked about it a little bit here. We'll talk about it more uh, probably next week as the early signing period is December 16th and 18th. So that would be uh, next week, folks. Next week is the early signing period. All right. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. We'll be back next week. We'll, we'll recap a couple of Cowboy basketball games, the Baylor game. We might have a guest. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But we will talk to you all then. Take care, everyone.